China tells Japan, if it's safe, drink it. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. Last week, the Japanese government announced that it would release more than one million tons of water into the sea from the Fukushima nuclear facility, which was damaged in a devastating earthquake and tsunami in 2011. The announcement was met with criticism from China, Taiwan, and South Korea. Almost 200 tons of cooling water are pumped over the reactor cores each day to prevent more damage. The water becomes contaminated with radioactive of chemicals and is treated and stored in tanks on site. But space is running low. The plan is to begin releasing the water in two years and continue slowly over decades. Japanese officials have said the water will be treated further and diluted to meet World Health Organization standards, although it would not be able to remove one contaminant, tritium, a radioactive form of hydrogen. A deputy Japanese prime minister said he thinks the water should have been released earlier and that it would be safe to drink. In response, a spokesman for China's foreign ministry challenged the Japanese official to drink the treated water and said the ocean is not Japan's trash can. Japan countered by citing China's past history of pollution. The U.S. government released a statement supporting the Japanese plan, stating it appears to be in line with accepted nuclear safety standards. Sea levels are predicted to rise in the San Francisco Bay Area as much as seven feet by the end of the century. Some cities are turning to building more seawalls and raising levees, but in a new report, an environmental group says one of the best solutions is literally being thrown away, mud. Right now, much of the bay is dredged to maintain shipping channels, and the mud is barged out to sea and dumped. But if left to accumulate, it would form shoreline marshes that are a natural buffer against rising waters. Scientists with the San Francisco Estuary Institute argue these wetlands could be the perfect solution to protect the bay because they can grow vertically with the rising water levels. However, they'll need more mud to do that. Unfortunately, the Bay Area has been losing sediment over time because rivers that would naturally transport the silt and sand are blocked by dams. The good news? Most of the needed sediment can come from current dredging activities. The rest can come from relocating sediment trapped behind dams or using dirt from construction projects. The authors say this natural infrastructure would cost less than seawalls and bring more benefits, such as providing habitat for aquatic life and migratory birds, as well as recreational opportunities for people. Temperatures in cities can be up to 7 degrees higher than in outlying areas. In some poorer neighborhoods with less tree cover, the differences can be as much as 20 degrees during the day. One solution that has been used for centuries is to paint roofs white to reflect light and heat. But there are degrees of whiteness, and products currently on the market don't reflect all the sunshine. However, engineers at Purdue University have developed a new ultra-white paint that reflects 98% of sunlight. The paint is able to cool surfaces by 8 degrees Fahrenheit under strong noon sun. The researchers say it could reduce the need for air conditioning, which would decrease the use of fossil fuels that contribute to global warming. 
About every hour and a half, Louisiana loses, on average, coastal wetlands equal to the size of a football field, and New Orleans is one of the most vulnerable cities in the U.S. to climate change, not just because of hurricanes, but also sea level rise. A pair of Tulane University students came up with a way to address the problem one bottle at a time. They thought discarded beer bottles could be blasted into sand and used to reinforce the state's eroding coastline. New Orleans bars and restaurants produce tons of waste from glass bottles. And because the city doesn't offer curbside recycling, most of them end up in landfills. So, as The Guardian reports, the seniors started collecting bottles in a backyard and launched a company called glass half full. Bottles are fed through a mill that turns them into tiny particles of sand. The finer grains can be used in sandbags to protect against flooding, and larger pieces can be used in flooring and stucco. Glass half full has already been successful in reducing waste, and in their first year, over 650,000 pounds of glass were diverted from landfills. And finally, if you're planning a trip to Qatar one day, you'll want to give this posh resort a whirl. It will be the first floating hotel that not only rotates, but in the process generates electricity. Taking the idea of eco-hotels to the next level, a team of Turkish architects made minimum energy loss and zero waste a philosophy of their design. The floating structure will use wind, solar, and tidal power to produce electricity. The design includes a vortex-shaped glass roof that will collect rain to be used in gray water for toilets and to irrigate the landscape. The plants, in turn, will help maintain fresh air and regulate the indoor temperature. No food will go to waste. It will be turned into fertilizer, and the designers say they will purify seawater for operations and treat all wastewater to protect the environment. Guests will be able to relax under umbrellas that are actually wind turbines, which generate energy using shoreline breezes. The architects say the project, which will have 152 rooms, is mobile and can be located anywhere where the right currents exist to keep it spinning. Guests won't have to worry about vertigo. It takes 24 hours for the hotel to make a complete rotation. However, the yet-to-be-announced room rate when it opens in 2025 might be a head-spinning figure. That's it for this week in water. We'll see you next time. When they fly high.